Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hi, Tammy Temple. Hi, David Temple. Welcome to The Thriller Zone. Well, happy Monday and good morning. Um, I'm pretty excited about this one. And oh, by the sorry. way, no, that's okay. When she looks at me, in case you're wondering, we're sitting side by side. <laughs> oh, and if she does this, then of course you have this. It's just crazy. But you know, we wanted to keep it keep it real for a thriller zone. And Tammy, I got to tell you something. We got a whole lot of um, we got a whole lot of attention when people started finding out that you were going to be on the show. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I think it's because of your wit and your charm and your beauty, but it's it's pretty nice, isn't it? I should come to the Thriller Zone more often. Thank you. Yeah. And so this Thriller Zone, we thought we'd do something a little bit different. Usually we're talking with thriller authors, movie makers, book writers, uh, filmmakers, etc. And this one is... A little bit different, still about thrillers and books and movies, but we thought we have been, you know, in between the tail end of COVID and the first of 2021, we have been watching a lot of series and movies and so forth. And Is it the tail end of COVID? In my mind, in my optimistic <laughs> that mind. That could lead us down a whole different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just say in the continuing saga of COVID. Yeah. COVID yeah. madness is alive and thriving. Right. And uh, what's going to be a little bit challenging, but still kind of fun, and who who cares because we make all the rules, a lot of our lists are going to be a little bit similar because... Well, we're birds of a feather. And and we live together. Oh, that was a great rhyme. Thank you. Very fast and clever, David. So... Uh, I've got got some, some, my my own own personal structure to this um, countdown, for lack of a better term. Tammy has her own personal structure to her uh, countdown of her own personal structure. And uh, we're just going to, you know, we're going to fly by. In case you're wondering where we are, we're at uh, Jake and Renee's beautiful home in uh, just outside Colorado Springs. Tell us about it, Tammy. Well, Jake is number one son, Jake, and Renee is super mom, Renee Davis, with little Jack, almost three, and little Allison, almost one, nipping at their heels. We've been here knee-deep in baby drool and three-year-old, almost three-year-old gibberish for the last eight days and absolutely loving it. However, I'm kind of craving a nice adult conversation. (laughs) Watching Sunday football yesterday was a highlight. Yeah, besides the fact that it was Dallas and and the Red, well, we watched three games, but we uh, did. The fact that we got to see adults talking on television and and playing football, it was, I think I turned to Dennis and said, Thank God for a little alcoholic beverage and yeah. anything except cartoons. It was. It's been a super sweet visit, and to have you know these little tykes just so happy to see us, and on the heels of COVID madness, when we haven't been able to spend a lot of time with family and friends, it's been a glorious trip. Yes, it has. That said, I'm super stoked to be part of the Thriller Zone today. 
I am not an avid reader so much right now. So most of my stuff will be based upon content. And as David referenced earlier, we've spent a lot of time with content. And I feel like even though this is not my industry, I could kind of hold my own in a conversation about um, character development, about plot, about arcs. So I'm, again, super excited to be here. Yeah, uh, honey, you can do more than carry, uh, hold your own because uh, as we were talking about our favorites, we kept referencing some of the th same things. And one interesting thing about my wife is uh, I've been writing now on and off for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And um, she, when I'm watching television uh, or, or series and so forth, I'll have a tendency, sometimes it's not always so uh, fun. I'll go, um, I'll be mumbling, oh, I bet that guy's gonna go do this. And within seconds, it will happen. And she'll look at me and go, what? We do a high five. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Oh, one of those. Yeah. So now what's really interesting is if I keep my mouth shut, uh, a nearer probability, <laughs> she will do it. And I'll look at her and go, yeah. <laughs> and it's so much fun. So. Yeah. Hey, we try to make the best out of everything yeah. and have fun with everything we do. So for anyone that follows my social media or David's, it is a love fest. We celebrate love energy and we just try to put out goodness, positivity, joy, peace, love, happiness, and yeah. uh, just to try to keep that, uh, that good energy flowing. Yeah. So. We were probably hippies in another life. So probably. Yeah. So to recap, we're gonna have uh, some top movies. Mm -hmm. We're gonna have some top TV series mm -hmm. and we're gonna have the top I came up with top 10 books uh, because it's such a, a classic line. Now, as I will probably say again later, I wish it was the top, I want to say 36 or 38 because that's about the number of books I've read since we launched the show in mm -hmm. June. Can you believe it was June? I know. Yeah. In Tahoe. In Tahoe. And my very first guest was May Cobb. Mm -hmm. Shout out to May Cobb. Great and, book cover. Love that, the lipsticks and the gun, yeah. Um, and it has been a glorious ride, and it's only six months old. We're gonna kick into season two in January. You've probably seen our promos. I think our very first guest of the year is Ace Atkins. Wow, that's impressive. I'm a little nervous, just yeah. just a little nervous. He's, he's a big boy. Um, anyway, so great shows ahead in the new year. And we, we thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support, your reviews, which have been spectacular, your voicemails that you've left on the on the channel, on the website, thethrillerzone.com, uh, the reviews on Apple. Now, I think, yes, yeah, Spotify is now allowing reviews. Oh, that's great. Which is super cool. And, and um, so, so just thanks, thanks for the, the Thriller Zone and love. Why don't we do this? Why don't we get started with, um, how many movies did you come up with? I'm gonna peek at your notes. Well, I have my top three, and then I also outlined some big surprises just in case we go there. And then um, some movies that movies and series that I really wanted to like, but some of the acting was a, was a bit over the top. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm having fun. Uh, and, and what I liked is you had something like a an honorable mention or something or a surprise, and I and yeah. I and I had some of those as well. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, why don't we start with you, young lady? And uh, mine is top five. Yours is I don't want to say top three. Mm-hmm. And uh, go for it. I'm going to go three, two, one. Okay, three, two, one. So um, recently we watched two movies on, I think both were on Netflix, but I could be wrong, that really took me by surprise. And again, a lot of this was storyline, character development. One was Power of the Dog with Benedict Cumberbatch and Kristen Dunst. Um, And then I would say The Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock. Again, you know, just a surprise for me that it was um, going to create that much conversation between the two of us. And we both, it's funny, some people have a five-star rating. I think we should have a sweaty palm rating because we, we were both talking about how our palms were sweating with both of these. Um, my number one. Do you want me to share my number sure. one, or would you like to go with no. your three and two? Oops, hello. That's a phone. Um, no Time to Die, James Bond. Who would have thought you would cry, get teary, me, at the end of a James Bond movie? I really liked it. It um, provoked the, the two of us to go back to the very beginning of Daniel Craig's um, James Bond movies and to be able to watch the storyline since we knew that how it was going to end was really good. It gave me a bigger appreciation for the the arc of the whole series with him and I really enjoyed it. I could watch his his James Bond movies uh, several times each and I think we have yeah. several times each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we could go down the rabbit hole of, you know, which is the best James mm-hmm. Bond, which is uh, kind of a ridiculous conversation because it, everybody has a different favorite. And you might have a different favorite for a different reason in a different, um, you know, decade or so forth. Yeah. Now, so you have completed your list of movies. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Those are my top three. Okay, so I have five and i just did five because of random things and i'm going to count it down so my number five was and this was more of a mystery and less of a thriller mm-hmm. but uh, it stars daniel uh, denzel washington jared leto and rami malek and it's the little things mm-hmm. that was a remarkable yeah remarkable mystery number three um it got a lot of rave reviews, and I was a little skeptical at first. I don't even know why, because I would watch anything that Matt Damon starred in, mm-hmm. uh, Camille Cotton, and a little-known fact, Abigail Breslin, which I almost didn't recognize at first, she was fantastic. Little-known fact, she and I, was, we were together in The Ultimate Gift 15 years ago with the original Jim Gardner from Rockford Files. Anyway. I think you still get checks for that movie, don't you? I do. I get yeah, a we get a coffee every now and then on that residual. I get a coffee every now and then, but that movie was still water and it was fantastic. Brings me to number two, which I personally loved. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, honey, but when I first saw this trailer, I said, I am so watching that. And I think you may have went, mm, you know, action packed thriller. 
except it's all action. And it stars Maggie Q, favorite, uh, Michael Keaton and Samuel Jackson in The Protégé. That was one of my big surprises. And so was the Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, Rami Malek movie, uh, The Little Thing. So you and I had that in our best of. Um, the Protégé was a big surprise for me. Generally, if you're going to turn on a movie like that, it's Friday night, I'm sleepy, and I know I'll probably just snooze on the couch while it's happening. But that kept me plugged in. The storyline was great. And, um, you know, I've really liked watching Michael Keaton as of late. Yeah, he's going to come up later in our list, too. Michael Keaton has always been a favorite. I mean, I can't remember. Maybe Mr. Mom was the very first time I saw him. And I went, who is this guy? Uh, and I always remember him holding up the little kid in front oh, of the yeah. uh, hand blow dryer in a bathroom. bathroom. Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. And then, of course, my number one, similar to Tammy's No Time to Die with Daniel Craig, Leah Seydoux, Ray Fiennes, Christoph, Christoph Waltz, and Rami Malek. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could go on and on about that movie, except I won't. And I'll just say it was everything you want in a James Bond movie. I did see on Twitter a couple of haters, a couple of haters out there going. Haters are going to hate. Yeah. And it was just, I'm like, it's a movie. Enjoy the ride. So there's our movies. Uh, did you give all your surprises uh, on the movie? Oh, um, I had another surprise, and that was The Last Duel with Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and um, there were a couple notable female actresses that I did not take note of, but that movie, again, same thing. I thought, I am a historical fiction person. If yeah. I'm going to read, I really do enjoy historical fiction. However, I... I was like, was this part of some other deal? Like they made a movie and part of that contract was you have to do this like 1200 uh, century, you know, movie and it's just going to be janky. It was not janky at all. And I loved how they did the acts. Yes. So one of the series that I um, enjoyed several years ago was The Affair. And I really liked how they would give the male perspective and the female perspective. It was fascinating because for all of us, you know, we see things through our own filter and then we share that through our own filter. And when you compare the same experience to uh, somebody else's experience, it's really interesting how the differences present themselves. Yeah. And that's also how the director laid out the duel in uh, acts where you the, the history unfolds through the eyes of each of these main characters. And it's fascinating how um, they put that movie together. I really enjoyed it. I'd recommend it. Yeah, I, well, I you know, I thought, oh, is this a remake of, or, or a twist on Game of Thrones kind of thing? Um, and I was like, you know, whatever. But man, the minute it started, I was all in, mm -hmm. completely committed. And yeah, you're right. That were. That reveal each time, and it, and it took me a second because I, I probably wasn't paying as close attention as you. And all of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh, that's his perspective. Oh, that's her perspective." Mm -hmm. And boy, it was so well done. You didn't feel like you were watching a he said same no. thing she said. Yeah, no. 
No, the director did a really good job of that. Yeah. Really nicely done. Masterfully done. Now, here's a place that Tammy and I have spent a lot of time, along with many American, many people all around the world, especially during the aforementioned COVID, was the television series and uh, mm -hmm. the streaming services. I mm -hmm. think, is it safe to say they have nearly outdone um, movies in general, or it kind of feels that way? Well, and the interesting thing is as we watch movies on Netflix, and I might go so far saying Amazon Prime, but I can't specifically back this up, is that on a series, you could sit down and in a weekend watch eight hours or nine hours worth of content. With a movie, you know, we're so conditioned to 90 minutes. However, we just watched, we referenced The Power of the Dog, we referenced The Unforgivable, we just watched the other night um, Look Up or Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up, yeah. Don't Look Up with Jennifer Lawrence and um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill and Meryl Streep. And that movie was two and a half hours long. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what happens with Netflix and Amazon movies, if they will tend to lengthen their movies, because again, we're also conditioned to do this binge type watching. Yeah, good point. Really good point. Just want to read something in the New York Times this morning that uh, uh, Hollywood is now stacking the deck on projects with, you know, it used to be you could have one major movie star lead the movie win the audience, gain the Oscar, la, la, la. Now they're stacking the deck with multiple, multiple stars because they're, for lack of a better term, they're afraid that they might not get quite the audience that they once had. So when you stack the Lawrences and the DiCaprios and the Hills and the Streeps and so forth and so on, it is though they're saying, well, we can't, we can't lose here. Right. They're also paying their stars. I just read DiCaprio, 30 million for that movie alone. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So they, you know, they got to get a good return, so they're going to stack the deck. Anyway, that movie is surprisingly, what's the word? It kind of jumped the shark. Yeah. <laughs> to reference Happy Days. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It is longer than it needs to be. but Yeah, they had me up until a certain point, and then I thought, wow, we're really going to go there. But I think the point was made, yeah. if the metaphor is referencing climate change and, and you know, the reality of what we're all facing with climate change, uh, you know, I get it. And yeah. I thought it was well done for the most part. Yeah. All right, moving on to the television series. Are you, do you want to, how many do you have? I have four. Okay, and I have five. Are you going from five to one, or does it, you want to go five, five down to one? Yeah, I'll just. So I'll start I'll with five, and then you go to four? You start. Okay. Do we have to go to therapy? Do <laughs> My uh, number five is Mayor of Easttown, starring Kate Winslet and Guy Pearce. That, mm -hmm. that was the surprise. Uh, that made me view Kate, and Kate Winslet, spectacular actress, mm -hmm. but it made me view her in a whole new way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even sure why. Maybe because she let her, I don't know, but it was. She became mayor. Yeah, exactly. I also had that series on my list. I'm a big Barry Levinson fan. 
and he directed a couple of those episodes. Um, I just thought it was really well done. And again, from a sweaty palm perspective, yeah. the, you know, the, we would miss a couple of weeks. So we would have two or three episodes that we could watch. Yeah. And then um, we always had about an hour conversation afterwards because we, we would, um, we would watch the after the episode breakdown where the actors and the directors and the writers talk about, you know, what each person was going through and what they were trying to portray. And then David and I would sit and we'd have our own conversation about the episode or episodes. And um, yeah, that was super well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always liked the uh, director's cut on uh, DVDs for you yeah. to hear what their thoughts were and so mm-hmm. forth. But yeah, I'm going to integrate the sweaty palm meter in future shows. I think we should. Yeah, because we're always doing that. I'm like, I know I'm really raptured when all of a sudden I'm going, oh, oh, geez, there go my palms. Yeah. Um, now, number four, and it's so funny, we were having a conversation over football yesterday about, hey, have you watched uh, Mayor of Easttown? No, but I saw Mayor of Kingstown. Wait a minute, Mayor of Keaton? No, and it was hilarious. <laughs> Um, but Mayor of Kingstown, Jeremy Renner and Diane Weist was has become one of my new all-time favorites. Not a light family show. No, I like that program too. It's um, I think I'm sensitive to over-the-top drama, and it can kind of hinge a bit on that um, the excessiveness of the intensity. It's I can get without being beat over the head, and that show can have a little bit of that um do you mean intensity is in violence or just intensity in general in the act you know sometimes in the acting it's like okay i i get that you're a badass and you're a gangbanger or you know whatever um there was also i will tell you the last episode that we watched haunted me for a few days it was very disturbing um however i'm sure it's real and that actually happens in the world um i just don't know that i necessarily want to face that um reality all the time all right what's your uh, next one well i will say i'm not exactly sure this was a thriller there was a mystery component to it. And I continued to laugh out loud all the the time. It was White Lotus with Connie Britton, Molly Shannon, Steve Zane, Steve Zahn. Um, There was a mystery to it. There was a lot of nuance. I think I could watch the series again and again and pick up the subtleties of um, things and that I had missed prior, but so white lotus it was an hbo max series and you probably heard me laughing in the other room yeah. as you were working yeah she enjoyed it more than i did yeah. uh it's just kind of some goofy stupid yeah it had moments mm-hmm. uh zan zang however yeah. z-a-h-n yeah zan, I think. he always cracks me up yeah <laughs> and uh but yeah not on my list um here's a guy that i I would practically watch, uh, read the phone book on stage mm-hmm. to borrow an old uh, cliche. Jeff Daniels mm-hmm. and Mara Tierney starring in American Rust. Mm-hmm. 
started off slow and I'm like, oh, I'm going to hang in there because I love Jeff Daniels and, and it's worth hanging in there because when it gets to the crescendo, you're sitting, you're literally, remember we sat there going, American Rust, watch it. I like that too. And Jeff Daniels is a huge favorite of mine and I enjoy his, um, his interviews, you know, he's steeped in kindness in that Midwestern integrity yeah. and decency. And I just really enjoy him as a person. So I'm with you. I, I would watch him climb a wall. Yeah. He also was on 60 Minutes and, and you constantly reference mm -hmm. this for me as a bit yeah. of encouragement when I'm feeling, God, can a guy my age with this lack of uh, track record in writing really make it? And um, we pull up the 60 Minutes interview with uh, Steve. Um, doesn't matter. Hello. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and he's talking about, it, you know, if my 62 year old self had said that this was going to happen and they were referencing, uh, the, the Broadway play to kill a mockingbird. To kill a mockingbird. And he said, if you told me my, told my 62 year old self that this would be happening, uh, I wouldn't have believed it. And he has a better line than that, but you're all, what is it, how is it you always reference it for me? Cause it's such a great encouragement. Well, he talked about he's more successful at 63 and 64 and 65 than what he was, you know, in the eighties and nineties when he was just really, um, cons not consumed, but, um, committed to trying to build a career, but also having this, um, plan B, the safety net with a home in Michigan for his wife and his kids. And um, he was just, um, he, was, he was not going to play by the Hollywood rules. He was going to maintain his, um, he was going to maintain what drove him. And that was a well um, planned out home life, a grounded home life. And he made it work. And he often refers to that 62 or 63 year old moment when Kill a, To Kill a Mockingbird hit. And he just has, you know, had this resurgence in his popularity again. Yeah, I love it. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe 60 is the new 30, something like that. Maybe. Now, we, I think we have two more. I'm going to look at your notes. Yeah. Uh, you actually I have, have a couple more. Yeah. Uh, we our last our our last two are the same. So you looks like you have a third in there. Why don't you go ahead and share that one? Well, I really enjoyed Dope Sick, and Dope Sick was a Hulu oh, yeah. series, and it was about um, oxycodone and the slacker. Was it the slacker family? Uh, Sackler. Sackler, yeah. Slacker. Uh, the Sackler. The Sacklers were Slackers. slackers. Right. Uh, the Sackler family <laughs> who, um, I, mean, I mean, it was, it was just fascinating how the pieces of this puzzle came together from, you know, the marketing of this, the development and marketing, this whole machine that went into putting this medication on the market and how it was just this tidal wave in the medical world um, and how it impacted every community across the board. I mean, we just found out this weekend that it had also impacted a family that 
that we know and are touched by and we had no idea. But um, Michael Keaton stars Peter Sarsgaard, Ros Rosario Dawson, um, the Budweiser Dilly Dilly guy was John such a great, yeah, he was such a great surprise. Um, he's amazing actor and um, we love him. Yeah. Dilly Dilly. Yeah. Dilly Dilly. Dilly Dilly. Um, and, and Michael uh, Stolbarg, who was so annoying yet perfect in the role of Richard Sackler. Oh my gosh. And we, I watched him in Boardwalk Empire. He was great. I really think he's an incredible actor as well, yeah. but it was highly educational and, um, boy, um, if you're kind of bummed out on life, do not watch this series because it's heavy, yeah. but very well done, super informative, probably more of a docudrama than anything but i don't think it fits the thriller category my palms were sweaty a lot during um as we watched this so yeah. i thought it was excellent and very well done and i would i would totally agree on every point and i we're all aware that the opioid crisis was uh, dangerous and foreboding and uh, catastrophic but when you spend an entire series watching it like this, I, I learned a lot. And mm -hmm. I, I, I guess in my own stupidity or naivete, I never knew. And of course, it's dramatization of Hollywood by Hollywood. But I never knew that the addiction was to the degree that it was. And then I, it made me, it forced me to research right. after that. And... Oh, but the degree of the Sackler family. Yeah, and, um, and diabolical nature of how they created this machine with callous disregard of how it would impact our world, you know, yeah. our world, yeah. basically, but specifically the United States, yeah. because um, as they tried to take this drug into Europe and uh, I think Germany and a couple of other countries, they could not get the drug in those, in those countries. So diabolical was, is a great word. Yeah, it was a very well done yeah. series. Now on a positive note, <laughs> hey. in a series that we loved, we season three came out, we watched it in its entirety in either one or two settings, mm -hmm. settings. And then we turn around and start the entire series over mm -hmm. again. And we're now in season two. Yeah, yeah we've just started season yeah. two. But it's about a, a wicked patriarch starring mm -hmm. Blank Cox and his children, Jeremy Strong, mm -hmm. Sarah Snook, Kieran Culkin, and Alan Ruck. And the series is Succession. Mm -hmm. Wow. One of the best television series uh of recent memory for me you too oh i agree and again to david's point like watching it season one with a couple of years in between season two with a year in between and then season three you miss that connectivity between the seasons yeah. um and I would say going back and watching it all over again has provided a fresh look into the characters, the development, and really uh, an appreciation for the actors and, and the personalities that they're portraying. And you can really see how, um, you know, how the nature of how this 
man parented his kids and used his kids and manipulated his kids is it's such a well done series and then of course the director's cut behind the episode uh sessions at the end of each episode is is fascinating Adam McKay has really surprised mm-hmm. me over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, he started off with Will Ferrell and did mostly comedy, but he's picked up so many projects since then. And this is just a fascinating way it's shot, the portrayal of all the different characters. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the word, word that I kept thinking, thinking of while you were speaking is nuance. When you go back, you start with number one. There's so much nuance that you may have caught the first time, but how now having seen the progression of the family, you really do the nuance blossoms in front mm-hmm. of your eyes. And you realize, um, especially with Jeremy Strong, who plays uh, Kendall, um, just an extraordinary performance of a guy who wants so bad for daddy to love him so bad to make daddy i'm proud say have daddy say i'm proud of you son and it never happening and the ruthless disregard and conniving manipulation by ryan cox uh mm-hmm. boy logan character <laughs> we would catch ourselves looking at each other going can you believe this mm-hmm. There is a great article in the New Yorker and it's an interview of Jeremy Strong or with Jeremy Strong. It's lengthy, but it's so well done. And it talks about his acting style and what he goes through um, in bringing Kendall Logan to life. And then um, this writer also interviewed the cast and talked about how Jeremy's style impacts the cast because he seems to be more of a method actor. Um, His flavor of acting tends to try to stay in character and really become that person. And then the impact of that on the other actors was also interesting to read and learn about. Yeah, I'm not sure I read that, but I will say that um, having done a little bit of acting and I'm not a method actor, but I, I really appreciate and respect that because you work so hard to get inside this character and to become that character. And so that when you, you know, in movies, you shoot a scene, you take a long break, you shoot a, re- a reverse, you take a long break, you shoot a wide, a close up, so And if you stay in that character, it's easier for you to really cement your connection to the audience. So I, I did that, but boy, he, um, you really felt, you really felt depressed when he was on. <laughs> Screen. I know you wanted to drink a new drugs yeah, as well, no. or was it almost? Just but yeah. not really. Um, I would say there's a great podcast, and it's with Adam McKay and um, Smartless. Yes, Smartless guys interviewed Adam McKay, and it gives you a real sense of who he is as a person and a director, and what he tries to bring to life. And I, I was introduced to him in The Big Short. And The Big Short was all about the 2008 housing market crash. And he said part of the reason why he wanted to do that movie was because his own father was caught in that death spiral. So um, it's interesting what you learn about a person in these podcasts or in these after the episode discussions about why they do what they do and why they're influenced by certain characters and what they're trying to, you know, just bring to life or the story they're trying to share. Yeah. 
Um, I have one honorable mention uh, that didn't only because I was doing top five because sometimes sometimes I am a rule follower. And I wanted to mention that I think you have a note about it too as well is the show Hit and Run. Yeah. Starring the phenomenal actor Leo Ross, which oddly enough introduced us to a different series called Fauda. Thank you, Don Bentley. Yes. That's right. Don Bentley on the show uh, introduced us. And I, we, yeah, I think I told you right away, we got on the show and wow, what a remarkable actor. And I think the reason he's so remarkable is he is actually in a branch of the military as well. I thought he was in Israeli intelligence or something yeah. um, formerly. But that was a that was a really good series. It was one we learned quickly to not watch right before we did Lights Out. Um, yeah. The other show that I wanted to bring up was Ozark. Oh, if oh my if God, I didn't even... that would have been in 2021, yes, we would definitely have Ozark as um, maybe the top. Top number one show. We really, really like that series. Yeah, Ozark is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been like Succession and Ozark if you had to pick a TV yeah. series. I, I cannot get enough of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that probably hits, hits the, the definition closer to thriller than what Succession does. Yes. But, yes. Oh well, it's I, our show. Yeah. We can do whatever we want today. We geeked out on Succession, so there. All right, um, now it's time to go to books. Now I have 10 and I have a little tiny blurb with each one. And the reason I did that is for viewers who are new to the Thriller Zone and may not be aware of these authors, I wanna give you a very tiny blurb directly from their books. So I'm not taking much of any liberty with it, but it'll uh, synopsize the book in a very tiny form and hopefully entice you to go read the book yeah so i'm going to start with uh i'm going to start with number 10 we'll work our way down in a town that's obsessed with dark secrets where the currency of power is information the white house has kept a huge one for decades charged with the task of protecting the office of the presidency the keeper of secrets has now vanished without a trace who protects the secrets of the presidency the body man by newcomer Eric Bishop is number 10. Ah, and all around great guy. Probably one of the nicest guys I've met on the planet in the last handful of years, and I wish him huge success. I won't break down why I like each book, but I want to do synopsis so that you can gain a very good understanding. But The Body Man is my number 10. And Eric is one of those guys, if we had a nice single female that was looking for a nice guy that Eric is that person. It's like, oh, we would introduce those two in a minute. Oh, ding, ding, uh, matchmaker Tammy. Well, we have to add a little bit of flair sure. and color. Sure. All right, next, Elise Littlejohn has it all. An Ivy League law degree, a well-paying job as a corporate attorney in Midtown Atlanta, and for a, a for-fun relationship with a rich, charming executive who happens to be her white boss. But everything changes one cold January morning when Elise arrives in the executive suite to find her boss dead. All Her Little Secrets by Wanda Morris is number nine. I want to read that book. 
it is you liked that show. I remember you coming mm-hmm. to me and saying, Yeah, I really like her. It was a great show. Now, an explosive crime drama evokes a mystical Brooklyn where the sidewalks are cracked, where Virgin Mary statues tilt in fenced front yards, and where smudges of moonlight reflect in puddles even on the blackest nights. Shoot the Moonlight Out by William Boyle is number eight. We talked about this one for a while. I could not get it out of my head. I don't know what it is. The characters are are terrifically real. Um, it has little twists and turns you don't see coming, and it was just remarkable. I'm trying not to have resting bitch face while you're reading me. So. <laughs> Angel, Kentucky, just another one of America's forgotten places where opportunities vanished long ago, and the opioid crisis has reached a fever pitch. Now, when the small town is rocked by the vicious killing of an entire infamous crime family, the bloody aftermath brings together three people already struggling with Angel's drug epidemic. Lost River by J. Todd Scott is number seven and one of my favorite podcasts to date. This one haunted you too. You talked about some of the scenes in this book. Yeah, I hadn't, it, it was visceral. Mm-hmm. and uh, palpable and uh, remarkably real. And I and I loved the interview with J. Todd Scott. I have it on very good authority. He's going to appear with his newest one coming out next year called The Flock. Now, when a series of devastating cyber attacks rocked the United States, Haley Chill Kent, is tasked by the deeper state to track down their source. NSA analysts insist Moscow is the culprit but that accusation brings plenty of complications with Haley directing the president as a double agent against the Russians. With increasing pressure on the president to steer him towards a devastating war, it's up to Haley to stop the mysterious computer hacker and prevent World War III. Savage Road mm-hmm. by my new friend Chris Hotty is number six and a page ripper. I really like this podcast too with Chris and I like the way he spoke about Haley's development in the character uh, between the books, because she appears in a couple of, this is a series, series correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, rumor has it that there's a third on the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, the, the next, next one, one, I mean, I both love, love, so I'm going to read it quickly, and then she's, she's got, got several ones to talk about. about. Oh. Imagine this, you've just boarded a flight to New York. There are 143 other passengers aboard. Mm-hmm. And what you don't know is that 30 minutes before the flight, your pilot's family was kidnapped. For his family to live, everyone on your plane must die. And the only way the family will survive is if the pilot follows his orders and crashes the plane. Falling by T.J. Newman is number five. I really like this book, and I love her story. Um, super sweet um, Cinderella story in yeah. my, is how I would describe it. Yeah. And I mean that with, um, with all the compliments that that would come with that um great book i think i read it in a weekend i sat outside in the sun after my morning runs and you were working and it was just a really good adventure yeah and i'm excited to see her and what additional things she does i'm excited to see this this book come to life maybe in movie form oh yeah this next year yeah yeah and i'm excited to see what she does next yeah former Flight attendant, yeah. scratching down the ideas on napkins on her overnight flights and uh, puts it all together in a page turner. And uh, 
I think it, it's, it's easily one of the fastest reads I had this past year. Yeah. Now, Aurora is a small town nestled in the ancient forest alongside the shores of Minnesota's Iron Lake. In the summer of 63, it's a whole world to 12-year-old Cork O'Connor. But when Cork stumbles upon the body of a man he revered, hanging from a tree in the abandoned logging camp, it is the first in a series of events that will cause him to question everything he took for granted about his hometown, his family, and himself. Lightning Strike by Kent Kruger is number four and a spectacular tapestry of craftsmanship. I like this podcast too. He, uh, Kent is just that grounded person. You know, he just seems to have his head in the right place. Great mindset, um, deep, soulful yeah. person. I really like that podcast. Probably one of the nicest guys I've met and uh, really shares insights and, and uh, lessons about writing and how, how not to give up and how to, how to keep going. And, but he puts it in a way that doesn't feel like a textbook off the shelf uh, you know, a 30 page book of, hey, how to be a winner. Right. It, Tips and tricks yeah, with Kent. None no. of that with uh, Kent. It just really was uh, powerful. And I, I so enjoyed that. Now, <clears throat> next, CIA case officer Sam Joseph is dispatched to Paris to recruit Syrian palace official Mariam Haddad. The two fall into a forbidden relationship, which supercharges Haddad's recruitment and creates unspeakable danger when they enter Damascus to find the man responsible for the disappearance of an American spy. Damascus Station by David McCloskey. His debut is number three and a fantastic read. Class act two. What a super, super to jump on your word, classy guy. The podcast was awesome. And this is another book I'm really excited to read. Uh, and I said this to David on the show. I've said it to him since then. And he is going to be in the echelon of the Tom Clancy's mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. Ken Follett's and those guys that mm -hmm. you love. Mm -hmm. um, just a uh, just a, an in-depth research. You really gain not only the adventure that you're looking for, but insights as to how uh that world works mm -hmm. and his background in the CIA, of course, always intrigues me, but mm -hmm. remarkable. Now it's been uh, 20 years since 9-11. The enemy has been patient, learning and adapting and ready to strike again. A new president offers hope to a country weary of conflict. He's a young, popular, self-made visionary, but he's also a man with a secret. Meanwhile, a young PhD student has gained access to a bioweapon thought to be confined to a classified military laboratory. A second-generation agent, he has been assigned a mission that will bring his adopted homeland to its knees. The Devil's Hand is by Mr. Jack Carr, and it's number two. Love him. And again, his books, I am so, so excited, excited to read. read. I, I cannot wait for James Reese to come to life uh, with Chris Pratt. And I'm excited to see what Antoine Fuqua is the director of that. Like, hello, what a great... Story. Jack Carr is the coolest dude. Yeah. I love how he promotes um, his support for wounded warriors, for veterans. Um, he turned us on to Black Rifle Coffee. He's turned us on to so many different things that um, I'm. I'm just really excited about this, and I'm so genuinely happy for him. Yeah, yeah. When I met him at Thriller Fest in 2019. 
I was blown away by his down to earth mm-hmm. nature and giving in kind. And sure, I want a beard like his. <laughs> sure, I have beard envy. I can't grow a beard to save my life. Yes, I want that. And I wish I could shoot a gun like him yeah. and have all the knives that he has. How about his vehicles, the Land Cruiser? The Land Cruiser, really, it's only one of my dream vehicles. And he's yeah. got a beautiful wife and beautiful kids, lives yeah. in a beautiful Park City. He's Art Deco house. He's everything you want to be. Yeah. Um, you want to not like it. But he's so flippin' nice. No, that I want to like him. Yeah, yeah right. I, I want to love him. Um, and you do. Yeah, I do. He, yeah. He's just... He's, he's goodness. Of, he's, he's pure goodness. He's a massive talent, and he's uh-huh. going to be around for decades, decades to Thank come. goodness. Yeah, can we talk... Can we gush anymore? <laughs> About Jack. Jack Carr! Now, if I could only get him on the Thriller Zone... Well, his publicist said you could add any one of his any one of his authors, so you might have to just pull that out. That's right, Atria Books. Shout out. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, and we're down now to the finale. Nick Anthony has retreated to the North Carolina mountains to mourn the untimely death of his wife. Once a popular professor, Nick just wants to be left alone with his grief. But when his estranged brother and sister-in-law die in a house fire, a stunned Nick learns he has a niece, Annalise. Who is missing? One of the books that captured my attention from the very first page, never let go, reminds me of growing up in the Carolinas. A Fire in the Night by Chris Swan is number one. Wow, that's fantastic. Yes, yes, it's always hard to pick a uh, top 10. Yes, you want to give everybody number one. Yes, it really should be like 38 because that's how right. many books I've read since June. Yeah. But these. I had to gauge on something, and it was a cross between sweat palms, sweaty palms, mm-hmm. and the way it hit my heart. Mm-hmm. And Chris Swan, for some reason, captured uh, all the little elements that you really love in a thriller. All of these books were fantastic. There are tons more. I think of so many that I could rattle on the Don Bentleys and the Head Bells, and the, yeah, I could go on all day long. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, these were my top ten. That's fantastic. Now, I do have an, uh, an honorable mention, because I got to do that. I can never actually just stop at 10. So now, my honorable mention is a, bio- a biographical thriller by a gal I had on many months ago, yeah. Death on Ocean Boulevard, Inside yeah. the Coronado Mansion Case by Catherine Rother. If you like true crime, you will rip through this book and inside secret said that she has um, this is going to be not only reinvestigated we think but uh, turned into a tv series you really enjoy them too i did i remember when this case came to life is i think it's caitlin rother it is caitlin i'm sorry i I'm, i wrote down Catherine. my bad caitlin rother yes. i remember when i was living up north in in mill valley when this happened and so i was fascinated by the story because it's odd and when you listen to the podcast Caitlin unfolds some of the layers so you really get to see what she learned which creates even more intrigue to the story um yeah and I've since that podcast I did a little sleuthing on my own just to try to read some more about Caitlin and about um 
her interviews around this this particular story is yeah. very good. I'm excited. Yeah, apologies, Caitlin. Uh, also, thanks to Susie Spencer, who introduced me. She's another investigative journalist, and yeah. she introduced me to Caitlin and uh, is also a remarkable gal. Didn't Susie do a story on Andrea Yates? Yes. Isn't that, yeah, yeah, that, that is, is another fascinating read for, you know, crime, true, true crime. Yeah. If you're into that, um, Susie's a really wonderful person and has been so supportive of you. Yes. I've, yeah. I've enjoyed watching your friendship grow. Yeah, it has been sweet. Yeah. One thing that I have um, been surprised by is this writing community and how successful all of these people are. And there isn't this even an inkling of competition it's they just kind of wrap their arms around one another and just yeah. want to do everything they can to support people in this community and i've loved that it's really been a nice surprise i'm glad you're in that world and not so much in the cutthroat nature of the movies and um Radio. Radio was was vicious and cutthroat, and everybody was after you yeah. at all times. They were on your back yeah. with a knife. But yeah, this community has surprised me. I first saw it at Thriller Fest, and I thought, "Is this just showbiz light?" And then, as I've gotten to know them and and interview all these great uh, creators, it is amazing. And speech. One last thing I wanted to mention on top of this, I do have a favorite new find. And I could probably go on and give like a, a multitude a lot of them, yeah, a multitude of favorite new finds and uh, top pick here, top pick there. But this one guy uh, got my attention on a number of different levels. Maybe it's partly because I grew up around that area. Uh, the fact that I like Southern Gothic, the fact that it was a short, it was a novella, so it, uh, you know I had a compressed amount of time at that particular time. I read the book, I got on the horn with him, and we had a thriller zone podcast but a violent gospel by mark westmoreland is uh, my favorite to find and uh just and a good old boy just the nicest down-to-earth guy good podcast yeah i'm excited so i've read this year um tj newman's book the falling uh steve cavanaugh's the devil's advocate i really enjoyed that book again great character development surprises along the way and when you get to the end and see the master plan behind um, the tragedy in the story it's fascinating um, i'm gonna actually hunt steve's interviews down and try to learn a little bit more about the background of of devil's advocate and how he kind of put pen to paper and his reasonings behind those characters. I'm excited to read David McCloskey's Damascus Station. I'm really excited to read Fred Burton's Beirut Rules. Both, again, great podcasts. Um, I love the whole Middle Eastern um, uh, writing. I, it's it's nothing outside of probably world history that I learned about Middle the Middle East and the dynamics there. And I was first introduced to that area by um, Tom Friedman's book, Beirut to Jerusalem. And it's so, that book is so fascinating because it breaks down 
how complex and volatile that part of the world is. And it gives some of the history as to, you know, what happens in that in that area. So when you had David McCloskey on and Fred Burton, my ear was uh, peeled a little a little closer to their stories. Yeah. Well, as we begin to wrap the show up, um, I cannot let 2021 go without mentioning one guy who has had a humongous impact on me. I think mainly because he's mainly because he's a fantastic writer and I think I've read almost every one of his books now. If not, uh, it's on my TBR list because I have a monster pile of them yet to read, but, and I wanted to scoot it in on this top 10. However, I got an advanced reader's copy and it's not actually coming out until April, but I do hope that we will have him on the podcast, Shane Salerno. Um, and that is Don Winslow. In my opinion, there's just very few guys that are as big a talent in this. And not only that, he's one of the nicest, gentlest, down to earth guys I've ever met in my life. I can't say enough nice things, things, but I'm going to say I have a pretty good feeling he's going to be on the thriller zone in 2022. That is my hope and prayer. Well, I think Don is a great writer. I've loved watching this friendship blossom. And again, speaking to what I referenced earlier, this community, regardless of the success of the writer, is very supportive of one another. And it's like they cast this net around this community and they do whatever they can to support and prop up and uh, help other writers develop. And it's been wonderful to watch and see. Yeah. And it's nice to have you along for the ride, darling. And hey. speaking of which, what a great co-host, right? Aw, thank you. I've really enjoyed my time here. And the one thing we did not talk about is our, I think we should close on what our favorite snack is when we watch, when we watch content. Okay. We have um, a restaurant that's owned, there are two restaurants, but they're owned by the, <laughs> David knows exactly where I'm going. It's owned by uh, the same um, husband and wife team chef. Uh, he runs the back of the house, she runs the front of the house. And it's the Craftsman and Blue Ribbon Pizza in Encinitas. They have phenomenal truffle popcorn. And it is good old Wisconsin popcorn and they use fresh butter and truffle oil and parmesan reggiano yeah and it's ten dollars a bag and it's you you pick it up to go and it literally is in a brown paper grocery bag yeah and it is the best popcorn ever yeah and David and I will like fight hands as we <laughs> as we go to pick pick the bowl, yeah. uh, pick the bowl clean. But yeah. that's my favorite snack food is the Craftsman um, and Blue Ribbon Pizza popcorn. Yeah, I don't even think I can argue with that. I mean, I can sit here and rattle off a few that I really like. But it, it, when we have when we hunker down for the night and it's storming on the rare occasion that it will in San Diego and we want to do a marathon uh, watch fest and yeah. All right. That's awesome. I want to end the show again with a, a great big thank you to you, my listener and viewer who have supported the show. I'm looking forward to great things in 2022. And Tammy, I have to say this, as you have noticed in the last round of shows, 
and I, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but you'll notice that I always do this the rapid fire questions. Oh, I'm up for rapid fire. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't come prepared, but I, because I thought, <laughs> well, you know, it's my wife and also, okay. Uh, here you go. Well, here's one that I use a lot mm-hmm. and uh, I always get the most interesting answers for this. So Tammy, you have been invited to my house, which is our house uh-huh. in San Diego for a nice dinner. Uh, and you're going to invite two friends to join us to make it a foursome. Living or dead, that you'd like to have join us for the evening. We'll have some fine hors d'oeuvres and cocktails and then sit down for a beautiful evening of great food and wine and entertainment and uh, music and so forth. Who would those two people be? I was thinking I might get dropped in the forest with a rock and pocket knife and a shovel question. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm feeling a political slant to this, and I'm not sure why. I think because I'm really enjoying uh, political conversations these days. Um, Let me see. So the first person that comes to mind is I'd be interested to have Barack Obama come to the dinner table and really get into the layers and the pieces of the puzzle about what is happening in our world and um, kind of this 30,000 foot view of where are we going. I think equally there is a military commentator, his name is David, um, he's a CBS journalist, I can't remember his last name, he's an older gentleman, Um, I would be fascinated to hear about um, his feelings feelings on where we are, our our position position in the world. So if I had to pick two, I'm thinking political and it would be Barack Obama and um, this journalist, David, sorry, I cannot remember his last name. All right. I can see him though. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Great combination and uh, would be a riveting. Not very sexy. It doesn't always have to be sexy. Maybe the sexy is the fact that you're there. Oh, there we go. See, see how that works. Thank you once again for my co-host, Tammy Temple, to the show today. Thank you for having me. Yes, and please uh, be safe out there. Enjoy the rest of your holiday, and we'll see you in January for season two of The Thriller Zone. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year, everybody. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.